Aaron, the king is dead. If you can hear in the background there, Aaron, uh, that's Mozart's Requiem, his, uh, his final piece. And I feel like it's only appropriate for the passing of uh, an iconic musical figure that we, we run the Requiem. You know what I'm saying? What was, uh, what was Mozart's, what was his middle name? <laughs> I want to say it was Ronald, but I feel like that's not right. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, what, was, what was Mozart's first name? I believe that would be Wolfgang. Oh, okay. okay. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh, wow. That guy could put a tune together, buddy. That guy could. Are you I down could. with the Mozart? Are you into the a little uh, a little night music maybe? Oh yeah. I, am I into it? Like would I intentionally put it on? Probably not. But when it comes on, absolutely, I'm into it. Yeah, he's got a yeah. playful sense of melody, you know. So they oh, say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a certain there's a certain figure that I think felt uh, common cause there. Uh I think so too. I mean, you're either talking about Salieri, but I think that might not be right. <laughs> uh, or you're talking about the king, Edward Van Halen, is uh, Van Halen, who's passed up. He's passed on to the next realm, whatever that may be. Uh, and I feel like, oh, here we go, a little aria for you. That's quite nice. You know, that sounds good to me. That's gorgeous. Uh, And I'll tell you. Very fitting. This is, uh, you know, so so Mozart's Requiem is is about 55 minutes long. And I feel like in this day and age when it's so easy to grieve public figures uh, online and, uh, you know, post your little broken heart emojis and things like that. Like, maybe this is this is what you really need to do to prove how how impacted you are when somebody dies when david bowie mm-hmm. dies or prince dies or tom petty maybe you sit and you listen to the entire requiem and you just think about it you know that people used to grieve back then yep yep that is um that is really yeah like if if you're really going to get into that and experience that and you know, get a really, yeah, really experience that. I think, I think you make a great point. I think it's, it's the least we could do, right. Is to, you know, just have a think, just reflect on this, uh, pretty momentous passing of a, of a figure, especially in the, in the world of music, you know, but also a cultural figure. Well, and you, you know, you're, you're about to get what you asked for before the show. (laughs) Um, we're gonna we're gonna start off this very special episode by as the as the wu-tang says going deep like a baby seal (laughs) is it a navy seal i swore it was deep like a navy seal but the more i listen to i think it's deep like a baby seal which it seems like doesn't it seem like a navy seal would go deeper than a baby seal 
Yeah, I feel like Navy uh, SEALs can do whatever they want. Exactly. So I don't... I, it's one of those I don't want to look it up because I want to try and... I want to keep the mystery, you know? Sure. Uh, there's another thing that gets easier with the internet is figuring stuff out. And sometimes it's too easy, you know? You also run yeah. the risk of, of things being incorrect, too, which this I find true. happens more, you know, some reputable sources. Like if On you the go, internet? Uh, yeah. Can you imagine? Huh. When, you, when you get huh. <laughs> several billion assholes in one place <laughs> all saying whatever they, they feel, whether or not they've uh, vetted it. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. But there are, there oh. are institutions online that, uh, you know, their, their bread and butter is, you know, we are lyrics genius yeah. dot net, you know, slash org or whatever. Yeah. This is all we do are lyrics. And then you go there and the lyrics are clearly wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, like, you know, who's doing this? Quality control is asleep at the sleep at the wheel. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go deep and uh, speak my truth on that what you were saying about, you know, actually experiencing that. So, all right, um, lay it out know, as, as you know, and as, as the, the vast realm of listeners might not, my wife died of cancer last year. This and is true. she, she died. Um, we did home hospice for her, her last couple days. And as she was, you know, in, in the active process of, of dying, like the, the, the drugs had kicked in, she was, she was comfortable. It was just um, a matter of time at that point. We listened to this, and uh, we, it was her, our parents, brothers, uh, the boys. Uh, we had some other friends, her work friends who were, performing hospice duties. Mm -hmm. uh, we listened to recording of the tune Finlandia, which is... Uh, is it Ray Fon Williams? Or, uh... Uh, the Finlandia we listened to was... Because that's, that's one of those tunes that is the basis for, I think, a few different hymns. Oh, okay. But, it, but the actual... The actual tune itself Sibelius Sibelius oh, is Sibel the, uh, yeah yeah Sibelius. that's right yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and there's this um, orchestral version of it that we listened to and it was it was just incredibly beautiful and sad and you know in in a way that in that deeper way that pop music doesn't necessarily go to those emotional depths, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, I do think it actually, that reflectiveness that, you know, when, when there's not, when there's not words to listen to, you, you maybe are a little more introspective and, um, I, I do think it actually helped us jumpstart the grieving process, you know, like doing some grieving while she was still alive, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah, so, yes. And anticipating it. Uh, we were, 
in many ways, we were fortunate that we had that opportunity to, to like get comfortable was, with the idea yes, a little bit. You know, yes, like, exactly. Get accept it and witness it. So it's you know you you don't have some of those things like denial maybe in the same way because it's not like it was some out of the plane blue. crash in a faraway spot yeah, and yeah like well mm -hmm. maybe you know there, that, that was not a that wasn't a part of that so right right yes i i do think that there is uh there's a power in in really sitting with that grief and feeling it and and not that we're i mean not not being silly about grieving eddie van halen the same in the same way but just that that idea of you know, really really feeling it yeah and i think you know this is it's great we we talk about this now like just to put things into perspective you know we're going to be talking about a guy neither of us ever met or knew right. you know as a person or whatever so you know just perspective wise there is grief that is uh, much closer to home that everybody deals with and also you know right now we're living in this very uh, unusual time in history yeah. Uh, yeah. where there is uh, this sort of wave of grief that's sort of sweeping the globe right now yeah. as we come to you live from the pandemic still still rampaging around the globe yes. it's second to fourth waves depending on where you live yeah uh you know so all, all that considered you know we're well we're and, still, and acknowledging that i mean and i guess for for me he eddie is at that stage of a lot of you know, a lot, a lot of musicians who have died recently where they they are they're not necessarily making lots of new music. I mean, their their catalog is established, their legacy is established. Mm -hmm. There's aspects of, oh, well, won't get to see that person perform or won't get to see that person perform again. But in many ways they've you know, their their mark has been made. And right. it's, it'd be different, obviously, for their, you know, their family, like seeing um, uh, Wolfie's response really hit, hit home in a different emotional way. You know, he, his, uh, whatever it was, you're, you're the best. Yeah. Yeah. Best dad a kid could ask for something like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, knowing know that his, yeah, it's so much, so much more personal for him sure Which, you know for us it's like yeah that 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 sucks and especially for you because he's you know more of a more of a musical north star in some ways not not really but well how, but but, how, but how also you kind of well yeah. he was he was uh he was my boyhood hero you know he was the uh you know before it's weird because, uh, you know, considering our age and everything, like we we weren't really around for the first wave of that type of music. You know, like you reading all of these these tributes from other guitar players and you know music fans and everything. They a lot of them who were around in '78 when that first record came out all have that story of remembering, you know, dropping the needle 
and hearing the first three songs and what that process was like and how uh-huh. there was, you know, before that and then everything after that, you know, yeah, it was a real, right, right. That was, that was that clear yeah. line. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, hearing ABH, eruption and, ABH. Ex- yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, uh, you know, that sensation of hearing a, that sound, you know, in particular eruption uh, yeah. and, and not being able to, to comprehend it, you know, right. like it, it which is it, consistent the, across the board. Everybody has that same story. It's, it's yeah. really interesting. And uh, so for, for me, like I, I definitely knew that, you know, I, my dad was a Van Halen fan and like and a Sammy fan and had those, those records around. And I, I had a, you know, he got me those, uh, a couple of the the CDs. And so like, I liked that music and everything, but it wasn't until I actually saw video of, of him playing uh, it. And it was him playing eruption. Actually, it was, it was okay. the, like, it was actually the, which I don't think I had actually heard before then. That wasn't one of the records that I did have. Right. Like, it wasn't, wasn't on the radio necessarily. Yeah. Right. It's not a single or anything. Off, so. at least, yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, so to to see and hear that song at that moment, this is 1995, you know, this is, uh, what is it, uh, 15 years after it had come out or whatever. Like they were already sort of an older statesman kind of band at that point, you know. Right, yeah. The 90s have come and sort of, uh, you know, changed the course of popular music to something heavier uh, and and different, more, more punky. Yeah. Uh, uh, but to to still like I, I remember that moment of seeing that and and hearing it and it having the same impact. Where it's just like, what what is this? Like I'm seeing <laughs> him do witchcraft? it. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I, and I I liked I liked music by that did point. You, I was, did you play guitar at that point? I kind of did. Like, like just, enough enough to know that that was that was different. Like no, did, did you have enough <laughs> of that knowledge or no? Yeah, I I did because the the year before '94 was like my big sort of awakening. You know, like this is all happening when I'm 13 years old, so that that was my big push into uh, the the culture, the youth culture. You know, so like '94 is real big. You know, obviously Kurt Kurt dies in that year, and then you have this whole slew of second records from that you know the early '90s grunge bands that were all really heavy and important. And then you also had Green Day, which was like. Uh, you know, Green Day was basically my Nirvana at that point. Like they were the ones okay. where, I, you know, I saw Basket Case and you know, Billy Joe's guitar. I was just like, oh man, this is this is the best thing I've ever heard. Like I want, I, I love this. And so like, mm-hmm. I had made like a cardboard replica of Billy Joe's guitar and everything. My parents were kind of like, yeah, we, I think we need to get you just a, a guitar. You know, uh-huh. so I had I had a little. Uh, what was, like, did he have like a? Did he have a hollow body? No, he had this like blue Strat knockoff made by Fernandez. Oh, okay. And it had a bunch of stickers on it, you know, and it was real, it was real punk rock. Yeah. And, uh, As and I, just, I thought it was so cool. Was, was Green Day. What's that? As apparently were they. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think they may have initially got a rap as being like, like, you know, performative. Right. But, you know, you, you, you talk to people who were in San Francisco at that time, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous show, but I was reading something, um, conversation with a guy, like a friend of a friend sort of thing, and 
you know, whatever the street, he's like, yeah, I remember those guys back before they were famous. Mm-hmm. They're some of the smelliest, most <laughs> gutter punk like. Yeah, those dudes were burnouts. They were, yeah. you know, they were they were doing it. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they oh, they got street cred for miles, you know. Yeah. Uh, and those were, and if I, I like to go back and watch those those '94 performances too when they're first breaking because it is intense. Like they they're a heavy, fast band like that. And uh, he's he's got the mm-hmm. the strat slung really low, you know, like it's as low as you can yeah. possibly go, and it's just it's really aggressive and great, and, you know. So I like that stuff. I liked I I liked Nirvana. I liked uh, Stone Temple Pilots and Soundgarden. Like I loved all that shit. That was like a great time to come of age. Mm-hmm. So I thought I knew, you know, I could pick out the notes to all apologies uh, you know i i knew my way around i knew how to play a power chord with two notes like i could kind of figure it out but then yeah seeing seeing eddie do his thing i it really blew my mind like i thought that you know how there are dots on the neck of the guitar right yeah right yeah. and uh I've, you know if, if you go to the 12th fret you'll see two dots for most yeah. guitars so he was tapping on the 12th fret which is something I'd never seen before. And I thought I, I considered at a certain point, like, is one of those dots like a button? Is he hitting a, a button? <laughs> like, what, what is he doing? What is he tapping? Yeah. It's, it's so strange. <laughs> That's great. Um, you have just said, this is funny. You've just sent me a text about, should we fade out the Mozart? <laughs> well, I know I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to break into the, the show like the rhythm no no it's you it's know? adorable but here's the deal is we're running the requiem it's gonna be okay. running in the background we while we talk hashtag no, run the wreck yeah this is how you do it no and I'm, I also, I'm with you i just wanted to state that i have set a little alarm here because we're definitely going to want to listen to the lacrimosa like that's kind of the high point the apex here so okay in about six minutes this alarm's going to go off and we'll just we'll just have a listen to this little piece of beautiful uh death music and uh that sounds good that reflection yeah. so look out for that uh but yeah anyway so it just it really blew my mind and it's and it made me want to pick up the instrument and and focus and try to figure it out and that was that's been the whole process ever since then um now i'm told that like this is not this doesn't happen for everybody uh where you find somebody who inspires you in that kind of way like i'm curious to, do you like do you have a person like that who made you want to do this like led you on this path i mean at this point we're looking at like almost 30 years of of my relationship with with the instrument anyway like mm-hmm. it's and you know i don't i don't play yeah, and it's about 20 a little, little over 20 for me mm-hmm. yeah because i was i was late to the game okay but you were were you a music fan? i mean like you grew up in a musical oh, household yeah. you know yeah and I, I played piano and was in choir and things like that but it was yeah 18 when i started playing guitar mm-hmm. and you know and actually a little bit of it was my brother jason had been you know he played from i don't know third grade fifth grade something like that oh, so okay okay he was the guitar player and when I started playing, you know, I think it was basically borrowing someone's guitar uh, to, you know, try a few chords and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somehow broke a string on it. 
And I didn't, I didn't realize that's, I don't think they did either because they, but you know, that's actually, a, that's actually a common thing. But I was like, Oh right. no, Oh my gosh, the string broke. Like what? <laughs> I need to, I need to, I need to fix this. I can't believe I broke their guitar. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Do we need to throw this whole instrument away? I mean, yes. Is, is it root? Uh, exactly. <laughs> so that was, that was right before, uh, Thanksgiving break and at, at Michigan state. So what I, what I resolved to do is take it back to Midland and have my brother help me replace the string. Um, yeah. And purchase, purchase a new string. I, I thought right. you could probably do that. Like how many hundreds maybe, of dollars are these strings going to cost? Yeah, you, wondering. <laughs> I don't know. Am I going to have to sell plasma? What's uh, right, right. What is this going to run? But I'm going to make, I'm going to make you whole. I will. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I won't stop until I repair the harm I've caused to your instrument. Mm -hmm. But that that led to you know having having this extended time in with the instrument, and uh, you know getting over a few of those beginner physical hurdles, like the, the not all of them, but you know getting to the point where I could make some chords mm -hmm. and not have to pick up my fingers individually to switch the chords. Right. You yeah. know, yep. <laughs> if you remember that, like get in there on that yeah. C chord, <laughs> right. just pick it up and place it. And I think even being able to play two chords with a little bit of rhythm so that I could actually play with my brother, maybe at some point that happened, but mm -hmm. yeah, so pretty, pretty quickly. I realized that no, this is this is actually something that this is not something that's for other people. You know, like I could do this. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. But when I started playing, I I don't know why I was so aware of slide guitar. But um, I I was definitely a fan of that style, and people like. The Allman Brothers and uh, mm -hmm. Hound Dog Taylor were so. I, I was I was into blues stuff at that point, especially. Sure. So yeah, that was. Um, that, it's it's natural that that's that's in that. <laughs> For those listening, this is not yeah. the requiem. <laughs> this is my uh, neighbors two floors up doing some kind of drilling which i don't know if there was a, a genius enough guitar player he could learn to figure out a way to incorporate that sound yeah, into would, a hit that be something <laughs> if you could use a drill for playing the guitar I imagine that would look pretty cool for video too yeah no kidding um but yeah so i i decided that i was going to be a complimentary guitar player i was going to learn rhythm and mm -hmm. slide and jason jason could you know he already was you know, play lots of lead stuff. So I was, I was going to be complimentary. I was going to be rhythm. I was going to be slide. That's very five-year plan of you. That's very, it's yeah, a very disciplined yeah, it, way of approaching it. In retrospect, I think it's, it, it's interesting that that was my, my impulse was how can I, how can I fit in with, you know, and add to what he's doing mm -hmm. myself useful around here. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but, and then, and eventually, figured out that I can, you know, I can, I can learn how to play some, some lead stuff too. But yeah, I don't know that there was a, 
there's a person at at that point um, in that same in that same way. No, I don't I don't think so. I've had bouts of that later, where getting getting into you know like trying to trying to figure out how does how does Dwayne Allman play slide and, mm-hmm. and especially with you know nowadays with with YouTube it's it's much easier. There's there's people who can, yeah you know, it's not not quite the same process of it was know, much more mysterious back in the day. Uh oh. Okay, so we are. Is that your alarm? Yeah, let me let me okay. just check in and see where we're at here. Let's. Uh, oh, we're in Confutatis Maledictus, of course. That means Lacrimosa is right around the corner, so we are two minutes away from that. We'll we'll check nice. in there. Um, uh, but yeah, it used to be much more challenging to figure out those non-intuitive sounds uh, and. Uh, techniques and approaches, but before you could just watch the video whenever you wanted to, you have the video in your pocket. Yeah, there's a there's a guy I've been, and sometimes I actually learn stuff, but sometimes it's just like he has this super relaxing voice, and I will listen. I'll put on one of his YouTube videos when I'm falling asleep. Is it uh, a, a Rick Beato or is it Wings of Peg- Pegasus? No, it's this, it's this Dutch guy named Paul Davids. Oh, okay. And he, he does guitar stuff and he has this super, super mellow voice. Um, but I actually was watching one yesterday where he was, he was explaining, um, tapping. And okay. He feels, he feels some kinship with, with Eddie mm-hmm. or is he, and he used his other name, Edward Van Lord Laureate or whatever. His, uh, uh, is that is that his middle name or the something? Lodvik. Lodvik. Yeah. Is that? It's it's the uh, Dutch version of Ludwig, I guess. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. This is oh, this by the way, we are. This is the this is the real deal here.
man. That's a banger, Aaron. That is. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. So we this broke right into your story of. Uh, no, there's nothing the, to apologize for that. Um, yeah, so he was talking, was talking about. He was talking tapping. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but just just that thing. Cause I don't. I never really like I had a sense of what tapping was, but as he was actually sort of, and I know he's not the first guy to to do this on YouTube, but you know, being able to see someone show some of that tapping stuff on, on eruption, for example. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's what it is. Right. If you're just going to try and listen to that and figure it out, or maybe see videos of Eddie on MTV or whatever, mm -hmm. or go to, I mean, you'd have to seek that out, talk to scuzzy dudes at the local guitar store, or, uh -huh. you know, or not maybe, dudes too. But. Maybe get the, uh, the tablature book, you have it special ordered or something like that. Yeah, and, and reading about how to do tapping. That's, yeah, that's tricky too. Yeah, yeah so. that that was my childhood. You know, it's it's weird. It's just there there are so many more shortcuts these days. But yeah. back then, you had to go to the newsstand and buy Guitar Magazine or whatever, and like yeah. and read the paragraph. Or like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, very very unusual. I, I mean, but but it is interesting that. You know, we were talking about the different generations. You know, so so Eddie, I think it's safe to say, influenced generations of players, not just a generation. But yeah, there's always absolutely. been a, a sense of, you know, you've got those '78 guys, but I've also there. There's a group out there of of people who are really into, um, like Diver Down is a real touchstone record for a lot of people mm -hmm. because of the, you know, it did get radio play, so that's where people picked up on it. And this is, you know, four or five years after the first record comes out. So it's like a different group of teenagers finding it, um, you know, all the way up to, you know, probably 91, I'm sure was was an, another one of those times when, you know, right before grunge breaks and you've got the uh, Foreign Lawful Colonel Knowledge album with Pound Cake and Right Now, like those, those are big, I mean, big how, singles. How many people got like how many people that was their on-ramp to van halen was right now you know and then starting that yeah. process there um yeah and if, i mean yeah every it i think it is it is an unusual career for a band to have that many on-ramps mm -hmm. and even even you could you could think of uh you know his work with michael jackson as as an on right. to Van Halen. I mean, that, mm -hmm. they, those songs got played a little bit. There's yeah, for a little, sure. bit, little bit of radio there. I mean, combined yeah. with 1984, of course, but... Right, but just exposure to an audience you normally wouldn't be exposed to as a yeah. a light, heavy metal band, or, you know, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they're, they're kind of their own thing. Yeah. Um, and they certainly... Yeah, it's, it's weird, I guess one of the things I've been thinking about is like how challenging it must be as a human being to live as a, as an icon, right, like an icon living, living for so guy. long. It's like mm -hmm. since probably 1984 when you're, I mean, he was, he was a guitar icon from 
from Jump Street, right? But like, as yeah. far as a, a cultural icon, you know, '84 yeah. is where it's all of a sudden like you're just you're in the pantheon. Like you, you've yeah. done this amazing work, and also you're everywhere. And then you know, after that, he's in you know, Back to the Future and fucking Bill and Ted, and uh, he's do, he's sitting in and with uh, Paul Schaefer on the Letterman show, and he's on SNL. You know, like he's just this like major public figure all of a sudden he represents guitar as a, yep. as a thing to the world yes yeah he's he's the walking embodiment of it yeah and to, to and, live like that for 35 years yep. and to try and avoid being you know enclosed in amber from any of those points like yeah like how do i how do i not look exactly the same like people want me to be this 80s like shirtless you know, silly pants guy, but what if I don't want to be that guy? Or do I want to be that guy? Maybe I want to be, but maybe I think I shouldn't be. I'm like, all those... Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, thinking about... I'm trying to think who else, because like a... right, if you go back to a guy like a a Clapton, Mm -hmm. you know, he was able to outlive that status and just settle into being a regular musician. Like, respected... Mm-hmm. But not, not someone that, you know. Eventually, that whole like him being an innovator, you know, he's it's a pretty he's short window, to, to, small yeah. window for that. Yeah, but he's able to go beyond that, and mm-hmm. and even when he is not creating new stuff from a guitar playing point of view, just doing it well. Right, you know, he's right. he's still able to have this career where i mean all the way to you know unplugged and whatever he's he's relevant at different points yeah absolutely Um, it's a testament to his his songwriting skills or choices you know yeah Um, his decision career decisions and you know and obviously there's lots of people feel different ways about clapton but i mean he he stayed relevant and he's been able to do his thing Mm -hmm. but with Eddie, like to be that combination of virtuoso and commercial success. Mm-hmm. Like I was, uh, that was one of the things I was reflecting on after his death is who, who else had that combination of like redefining an instrument or, or pushing the boundaries of it and having commercial success. And you could point to like a, a Hendrix might be a guy that had that combination, but then who was able to do it for so long? You know, that's those sort of three factors. I don't. Yeah, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's, there's plenty of examples who I'm just not thinking of. But it's such a uh, I don't know. I mean, Hendrix is is obviously the closest analog I think with with that instrument anyway. But like yeah. you say, like he was. He was, that was, you know, 10 years. If you start with when he's in the touring band, you know, like when he's playing behind James Brown or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, but the, but the same, same level of, of impact and importance though, as far as boom, this is how you're going to want to play from now on. These are the things that you can do this and this and this and this and this, you never even thought of, you can do it like this and it's going to sound like this. Uh, you know, it's it's those two guys, 
for for the electric guitar anyway who, yeah in in the context of rock music i guess you know like les paul obviously is a very important figure but like he's not he's not writing mean streets you know what i mean like, yeah so. well, and there, and there's and there's plenty of people that would have been inspirational to people and and people that had their but yeah as far as real seismic shifts in in how folks use that instrument viewed the instrument to be recognized for it too so widely where it's not yeah. just an inside baseball thing like if you are a guitar player you know you know hey john petrucci he's a great guitar player but anybody else would be like who the fuck is john petrucci you know right. like what does that what does that mean uh yeah but like he it's or, just or the, being in that yeah either the like player category or like the virtuoso category like uh Ingwe Malmsteen or whatever, or, or like a mm -hmm. Bai or Sanchi, like any of those guitar player. Right. Eric Johnson. Brilliant players, but they don't, yeah. uh, they don't have the, this like massive back catalog of, of memorable, very well-known tunes, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. uh, that's one thing that like, when I, th when I think back to, uh, being 13 and being all of a sudden really turned on to this, like you had this whole back catalog of like nine or 10 records that you could right. dig into this massive amount of material. And like you say, every, every one of them, he, he's aware of what he's doing and what the expectations are. And he, he wants to continue to be the, the vanguard, but that pushes you to have to do some really crazy things. Uh, just technique wise that maybe you know people normally wouldn't even attempt he figured out ways to do things in a technical sense uh and just knowing that whatever you put out like he has that kind of stature where every anything you put out is is a big uh a big happening you know like i that was my feeling back in like you know 91 the right now days when i was younger and not so into popular music but definitely knew eddie van halen is important guitar player this is important to guitar right. you know he's putting yeah. out this record and this record will reveal new realms <laughs> you know not yet that, that kind of you know ha has that that feeling attached to it that doesn't the happen new, very often you know it's unlocking unlocking new realms here for and he did. that's, that's yeah. so crazy and that's one thing that's another thing that i think really needs to be underlined is you know be, because there's this weird gap that we're going to talk about more in depth in its own super episode but there's this you know weird thing between 1997 and like 2007 this 10-year gap where shit gets really dark and the music's not so good and there's just a lot of drama happening that that sort of colored the perception of what was this uh you know this this legacy that's already been established like very well established but there's this weird dark period where things seem to start to catch up with him a little bit and it's 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 weird but then he clean he managed to clean up before he died and he was playing as good as he ever played even when he was a kid you know like that that's what's insane to me is watching those videos from 2015 i think was the last tour and okay. he's still playing he's still playing all that shit you know at 60 years old and th those songs are hard you know yeah. like you, yes. you have yeah, to right. those they remain hard that's why yeah. the, the music lives on is that those are technically challenging and melodically complex interesting deep pieces of of music 
and he can still do it. And not only that, but then they finally put out a record after years and years of no records. And it's incredible. Like I'm a huge, you know, spoiler alert for future episodes, but I'm a big fan of that last record they put out. I think it's incredible. And he was still when, doing things that were new. When did that, when did that come out? That was 2012. Okay. And you know, the, the traditional narrative around that goes that it was a bunch of scraps left over from the, from the old days, but that's not true, entirely accurate. That was, it was like half reworkings and then half new stuff. And the new stuff was in- incredible. I mean, it really was like, again, it, it really, it made me feel like a kid again to be like, Oh shit. Like this sounds good. I can't believe this sounds so good. And also I can't uh-huh. believe things are happening that I don't understand again. Like it's such right. a, you know, what a, what a rare, beautiful experience to have. And, yeah. uh, yeah. To actually, to actually have something exceed expectations and, Oh yeah. Cause expectations, I'll be honest at that point in history, were pretty low. It's just like, right. okay, they're going to have a new record. It's probably going to sound like the stuff we've heard in the last 10 years or, you know, the last few reunion tours and it's not that great. And, you know, I don't know. But then here comes the old man. He's just like, step aside, Junior. I got this. Don't worry about it. Deal with this. And it's just this huge, you know, like 12 or 13 songs, whatever it is, of just like heaviness. And yeah, like, is this good enough? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the eternal question we ask here, right? Right. Is it, you know? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, what is it? Oh, that sounds good. I'll have some of that. I would like to have some of that. Yeah. So just for the kids out there who were not paying attention at the end, you know, he still had it. Eddie's got it. You know, he. Uh, it's amazing because he, he was dealing with a lot of you know physical ailments, uh, battling, you know, a, a lifelong addiction and still managed to just like keep keep all those chops. You know, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And it. It has been, I mean, nice is too silly the word, but it is, I think it's a, it's a good, it's been cool to see the the respect and see the conversations that people have been having and like the, the folks, you know, that you might not expect necessarily. Like yeah. That he was, was an influence on me and, you know, just sort of get, gives you a sense of that legacy and the impact i'm a little surprised well i mean some of it you know like in the guitar community he's just he's held as a number one like that's just a a given if you follow any your favorite guitar player who who takes pride in being a guitar player likes eddie van halen you know nine times out of ten that's that's pretty well known but to hear from the older guys is is really surprisingly gratifying. The guys that he surpassed, you know, and sort of took things to the next level. Like Jimmy Page doesn't talk to anybody about anything. And he was always not dismissive, but uh, was just sort of like, oh yeah, he's got a thing, you know, good for him in that way that, you know, one does when somebody comes out and does something new that you didn't manage to think of, you know, like if you, attach your ego to doing this thing and all of a sudden there's this whole new uh, uh world open to to players that you're not a part of then you know obviously it's it becomes complicated but to hear him come out p 
Pete Townsend, the same thing, you know, like uh, well-respected legendary figures in their own right. Richie Blackmore, famous kind of an asshole, like, like okay. famously known as sort of a dick to everybody, came out, said some really nice things. Um, you know, we, we were talking earlier offline, but, uh, you know, the only one who hasn't come out so far really is, is Eric. And, and Clapton was Eddie's always go-to guy as far as influences whenever he got the the influence question it was like yeah clapton was my man i knew all those solos note for note and uh you know so little you know just kind of kind of waiting i guess i'll i'll, I'll follow your lead eric give him the benefit of the doubt that he's, <laughs> he's living in clapton land doing whatever yeah. eric clapton does you know? i mean slow, Swapping slow his hand, life or slow whatever hand isn't just about his guitar playing it's about his his twitter usage oh too. that's true <laughs> that's old, true old slow hand yeah i mean it's 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 nice. It's nice to see in a way, like you say, nice is not the, the best word during something like this, but it's, there's something uh, gratifying about seeing that, um, seeing the response and, and how pretty, pretty big it is. You know, it's, yeah. it seems to be a pretty across the board, even for people who are not guitar nerds, it seems to have, uh, to mix my metaphors, struck a chord. And uh, <laughs> like, you know, we've seen seen a lot of quality think pieces and a lot of people weighing in who just are like casual fans and like jump where you really got me and, you know, dig his dig his style in a, in, in a way that I wouldn't have anticipated normally because that music is, has been out of fashion for a really long time. Oh, yeah, well, that's, and I think that's, that's one of the things that is you know, as far as the timing that there's there's a degree of having been out of fashion and then coming almost coming around to not not exactly nostalgia, but like it's been it's been long enough that people can look back and it's you know, it's it's like okay to have fun with that. Yeah. Yes, right. Let yourself enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, you know, the great thing about that catalog is it is by and large pretty enjoyable. You know, there's not a lot of, they maintain the, uh, that whatever their chemical mix of like sunshine, California, and then heavy, dirty grittiness, you know, they've managed to, to hang on to it their whole career. I mean, that's just their sound. And I think that is fairly timeless, I would imagine. I mean, like, I still like it, you know, it still sounds good to me. Yeah, they they still play it on occasion on the radio. You may have, you may be aware. Oh, they do. Okay, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can imagine um, uh, the local classic rock station that they played a Van Halen song or two. The, the yeah, is, you know, day he died, especially. They, I don't know if it was all day, but boy, it was. You know, anytime I was in the car, I just out of curiosity, I was. Mm-hmm. I would check over and yeah, it was and kind of roll the run the dial, see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I mean, the, and the statistics regarding that have been pretty impressive. Like sales of the catalog increased by like seven thousand percent or something like that in the days following his death. Uh, there were like thirty-three million streams. And, you know, the the days after, uh, you know, it's 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 cool. It's very it's it's very gratifying that. People are checking it out at least. And maybe it doesn't, you know, stick 
with everybody, but somebody might get turned on to it. And that's uh, that's huge in itself. So, hey, if you're here and you're, you're new to this whole uh, environment, welcome. This is a safe space. You can come, you can, you can grieve with us, you can hang out. Like, you know, we're just talking Eddie here. It's weird. Okay, so one more thing that's weird is thinking back to, again, onboarding at age 13. Okay, I'm going right. to be a part, yeah. part of this, right? Yeah. So like, Eddie's like my dad's age, right? And uh, so it's it's weird to idolize a middle-aged man in a, in a way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because it was that time from, from that video you were talking about where he's got the goatee, he's kind of attempting sobriety again, he's cut his hair off, the music's a little bit bleaker, darker. They're, they're trying to you know, uh, move with the times in a way that they managed to do much longer than a lot of those bands did. Um, but in, in truth, it's like, yeah, it's a middle-aged man, you know, like, and, but that's the guy that's like, oh man, everything he does is so fucking cool. Like this right. guy is the coolest, you know, I wish I could grow a goatee. I'd totally have one of those, <laughs> one of those sunglasses. I want those sunglasses. What's that Henley shirt he's got? I want one of those, you know, like dad clothes, like <laughs> dad jeans. Oh, I want some of those. I wanted, I, I, for ages, I only bought yellow picks because he was using yellow picks at that time. Oh, really? you know? oh yeah. I, love, I was just everything. I was obsessed with it. It was an obsession, you know, like, oh, what's he doing there? Like even little things like he would uh, roll the duct tape backwards so he could stick a bunch of picks on his guitar. Right. Like oh. that was, you know, that was not a thing bands were doing. And, then, and you know, go back to the older videos and his guitars loaded with taped on picks so he could just grab one whenever he needs one. But at the time it was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Just put the picks right there. If you drop your pick, you just get another one. This is incredible. So I would like duct tape picks to my guitar and you know, just emulation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea. It still works. Um, where did he, did he put them on the, on the back or where is he putting them? Well, back in the day, uh, in the early eighties, he used to just run a strip along the top of, the guitar under the strings i think and he would just have like i mean seriously like seven or eight of these things taped on there so he could just grab them and you throw them into the audience that kind of thing and then in the 90s he had started running it along like the uh you know not the top of the body but the sides so he would like mm -hmm. run a piece of tape along the side of it and have you know three or four on there and uh i don't know it's just think little things like that that people weren't doing at the time or hadn't done earlier either, you know, not to mention the, the techniques that he's using to play, which is just fascinating. Just like, God, like I, I watched, you know, I watched that video that I saw in nine, early 95 and I had a tape of it and I just watched it over and over and over again, trying to figure out every little part of it. You know, like, okay, what kind of, his cable, what's he doing with his cable there? He's got to come in tucked into this strap. These all these details yeah it just it's so great to be able to see it and then you know just the tapping okay so he taps like this and what's he doing with the pick oh he's tucking his pick into his the in between the the knuckles of his middle finger okay i gotta learn how to do that i guess that seems to work well for him and uh just all of it okay so he's got a bandana on here okay i mean like should i consider being a bandana guy maybe i right. start wearing yeah. a bandana you know um, yeah, I'm, I'm at least gonna I'm at least gonna have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly um, right. It's a consideration at that point. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? What did? What was your reaction? Maybe initial, and then 
you know, over the next couple of days, like how, how, how much did it, did his death impact you? If I, if I, if you don't mind me asking deep questions here. No, not at all. What was, at what's all. your process as, as, you know, this, he's a, he's a big figure for you. Yeah. Huge, huge. Like he, well, first of all, you, you were the one who delivered the, the sad news to me. So, uh, you know, that's, was, you know, it's nice. This is our, this is a thing that we do together. This is mm-hmm. me and you growing out. So that was nice to yeah. that. You, you were the guy, you know, like that, that there was something nice about that. Uh, good. As, as good, as good a way as you can receive that, that news as possible, I guess. It's good enough. Yeah. It was good enough. It was fucking great enough. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. The, and then the process, it was, as always surprising, but then also not surprising because there had been rumors circulating that, that, you know, there was, there had been problems recently. I guess we should do a little, it's just a real quick rumor rundown. You know, since the time we started doing this show back in 2017, there've been loads of rumors of things in the works. Like there was a rumor that there was going to be a 40th anniversary tour for the the first record which was uh 78 so 2018 there was a rumor that michael anthony was going to come back on and uh play bass with the band one more time for one last tour and that was going to be the big send-off for the entire thing maybe and that or you know they keep playing with wolf or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a rumor there was a rumor that um the dave version was going to go ahead and start doing stadium shows with special guests like the Foo Fighters, where they would do like a double bill or something like that and play oh, okay. yeah. baseball stadiums, and that kind of petered out. Um, we know Sammy was trying to really get something going because you know Sam's older too. Sam's t- almost ten years older than the rest of the band, so he's sort of looking at his legacy and reflecting, and you know, recognizing how important that band is to his life and career. So he was trying to get something going too, where, you know, they would do a, uh, you know, like I'll sing half the songs and Dave can sing half the songs and, you know, just do it for the fans. And that seemed like it was going to go forward. And then it just kind of petered out. So, you know, you knew something was up the past five years. And then there were the rumors of the, you know, the treatments, the cancer's back or, you know, again, you, you never know. I mean, he, he had health issues and then also he's, you know, he was an addict too. So you, you never knew quite what was going on. Like if he had fallen into a, a bad place or if he's just in a happy place and maybe he just doesn't want to do that shit anymore, which, you know, I, I don't blame you. Like, yeah, we're, you know, right. we're talking about being a living legend for 35 years. It's gotta be exhausting. You know, like, I just want to play well, some and, golf. Like, and the, those, the expectations, like it's, it's not enough for him just to go up, and like being up there and playing is probably not enough. Like he would, he would really need to shift expectations. Like people expect him to play, play, like you were saying these, you know, his stuff, the acrobatics, the, uh, you have to condition that for would it. Be, yeah. It's, uh, um, it would, it, it's like an athlete preparing, right? You'd have yeah. to, it really it reminds me of, uh, I was just recently watching the Miles Davis documentary that's on Netflix. Oh yeah. Okay. Which is really interesting. Like total recommend, but the the same principle of like where he was making music that like he had to like physically work out for to play, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have to change your body. Like you said, like athletics, like you have to 
condition your body to be able to perform at that level, at the level that you expect of yourself first and foremost, and that others expect of you too. Um, you know, it's, that takes a lot. That's why, uh, okay. So another legend we lost earlier this year, Neil Peart from Rush, same uh-huh. thing. Like they did that retirement tour because he's like, I can't, my body physically cannot operate in the same capacity that I need to be able to play this. So we have to be done now. I'm sorry, but like, I just can't, I can't hit all those fills anymore. I'm 65 or you know how right. old he was right. at the time. And uh, yeah, that's, the, that's what comes. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it seemed, it seemed kind of like it was just not going to ever happen again, which was fine. And it's just like, well, as long as he's doing whatever he wants to do, because, you know, he's probably still going to play. And the rumors were that throughout the entire, that weird dark period of like, you know, like 15 years when there wasn't a lot of music coming out, like he was still recording the whole time. And he just didn't, you know, he's kind of a, everybody sort of acknowledges that he's like a shy guy, you know, kind of like a socially anxious type of guy, not terribly comfortable using his words just like to play you know so yeah. it's hard to be and that kind of yeah exactly right and just do it with a smile somehow yeah. so the the only time if you watch interviews with him the only time he's really engaged and excited about talking in front of a camera is when he's talking about his guitar or he's talking about the gear that he uses or you know the the playing like that that stuff is clearly the only thing that's important to him and he gets really into it he gets very excitable whereas the rest of it is just like uh you know becomes sort of press release lines about right yeah like he's he's doing it because it's what he's supposed to do yeah right right it's an obligation exactly so uh but yeah so then the process so you know it's surprising and sad but then it's also not because it's like well i mean we knew this was in the mail for for a little while anyway and then uh you know i don't really i'm not one for um being really like uh visibly emotive during these types of things but there's not really a, a figure that compares for it for me personally anyway it's it's like a beetle going you know like right. yeah that level of importance to to me is uh as somebody who plays guitar and, and really uh loves doing so like that comes directly from this man and then also to understand that your um kind of core concepts of of how music works how how a song is put together what what is good you know what sounds good what sounds bad like those are all defined by the music that he made you know among other bands that i love too but like specifically in regards to like this type of music and the guitar itself like that that's all comes from his brain you know like we're just the heirs to to that um so that that was kind of heavy to realize and then you know like i'm doing right now it just put me back at that that point when i was starting and just uh you know feeling grateful that somebody got me started because i feel like having having music in your life and and also being able to to play music is uh has been such a uh you know defining thing for my life anyways made my life 
infinitely better than, than I would be without it, you know? So it's, uh, there's really no, nothing compares. Like the only thing, all right, here's, <laughs> here's, a, here's a morbid thought for you. Uh-huh. So, so let's, let's pretend that there's a God and he's putting together a super band, right? Right. So we've got Neil Peart on the drums, Eddie Van Halen on the guitar. God, you need a bass player, Aaron. Which, which bass player are you taking? Right, yeah, who's... You're taking who's fucking gonna... Paul McCartney, Aaron. Oh, okay. Because look, when, you know, when George died, George Harrison died, like it was sad and I was moved by it and everything, but I don't like George, you know, like his, like his music anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't get off on George Harrison songs the same way I do with John and Paul songs. And I wasn't alive when John was killed. And, you know, I think Ringo, somehow Ringo is going to be the, the last. I have a feeling because right. <laughs> Ringo's yeah, that, a fucking survivor. Yeah. Um, like, Cause he's just, he's just having fun. Yeah. Ringo's yeah. a fascinating dude. Oh man. Yeah. He's, yeah, he just doesn't being, give a fuck, you know? No, being comfortable in, in his, yeah, like this, this is my lane and I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna enjoy my lane. Yeah. You know? It was apparently always like that. Like reading about him as a young man, he was like totally the exact same way. It was just like, I'm kind of a rock star, do my own thing. And, you know, just like these stories of him getting uh, like four years into a five-year apprenticeship as a doing something like working at some factory or whatever. And then just being like, and he's, and he's like engaged to be married and like he's at a crossroads in his life where it's like okay it's time to put the drums away and get on with your life he's just like i don't fucking want to and he just left yeah he just left he just he just never went back to work broke up with his, his fiance and then wow. just like moved to germany to play drums on an air force base or something like that you know like just oh, i'm gonna do whatever i'm gonna do my own thing this is what makes Ringo happy, you know, naming himself right. Ringo before he's famous. Like it's crazy. But, uh, you know, so Ringo obviously has a special place in all of our hearts, but like for me, you know, when Paul goes, that's going to be just as, you know, possibly heavier, you know, okay. like Paul's music has that, has that same lives in that same realm anyway, as, as Ed's music does. And then beyond that, there's not many people who live in that, uh, live on that plane and for, in my heart anyway, you know, I don't, what about you? Do you have figures like that? I mean, it's like Chuck Berry dies and it's like, yeah, fucking the Chucker, but it's also not the same somehow. Oh no, no, you know? no, 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 not at all. I, I don't, yeah, I just don't know who that would be for me. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Mick, Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, you know, that's, who knows how long that's going to be, but yeah. Cause at least with them, they have the possibility, you know, of, of still making more music, you know, that they're, you hear about right. things being recorded and perhaps another record coming out. Mm-hmm. That sort of, that sort of stuff. You know, and, and there were things on that a bigger bang that yeah, that seems sort of like, oh, oh, this is this is not just some sort of victory lap. This is uh there there's some things that have some energy and are interesting. They seem to have a pretty good handle these days on what what where they excel and what 
what works for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, if, so are you just, just a slight detour, are you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? Like which, which has oh, had more oh, personal uh, impact? Stones guy, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Like I, I won't generally, I mean, I, I don't, I respect Beatles and all that, but mm-hmm. I don't typically listen to them mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. way that I will, I will get obsessive on, not obsessive, but, you know, listen to, uh, uh, you know, the one that I'm listening to right now is Undercover of the Night or under, maybe Undercover is the album, but, you know, get, getting into the weird 80s stuff. And, okay, I was just going to ask if that was 80s. It sounded oh, yeah, 80s, it's, yeah. It's, it, it's, so, it's so wild. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the greatest to me. And just the way that they, there's, there's so many, like, yeah, just the, the weird things and the shifts and keeping continuing to write swagger, unique swagger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you know absolutely. it's them. You know, they're one of those bands. You hear it and you just know it's them. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that that's about the only thing I can think of where it would be Johnny Cash was a big one. You know, that that yes, was no that and that's and I, I did feel more personal connection there because mm-hmm. um well part of it was because he he was actually a guy that i i learned a lot of his songs when i was starting to play guitar mm-hmm. right so that was that was uh cultural touchstone and we share a birthday so oh okay I, I felt like that's my that's my birthday buddy mm-hmm. right but um, right yeah I, I wonder for for us you know if it's going to be I, I wonder how if generationally it's a different sort of experience because like you say, Eddie is more our, our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't necessarily make me feel my own mortality in the way that when you're mm-hmm. of that generation and it's the, uh, it's these people who were, who are your age, you know, that I assume mm-hmm. that's a different sort of thing. Like, like with us, it'll be some of these um, sports figures, I think will be a part of it. Like Michael Jordan, you know, can you imagine when yeah, Michael right. Jordan dies, how that mm-hmm. will, you know, talk about feeling old. Um, yeah. yeah well, so it's, 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 it's going to happen. It, well, it it so, yeah. I mean, and that's, we are actually, you know, there's, there's been a lot of attaching the, the 2020 curse to this and other things to like, oh man, 2020 is just the fucking worst. But, right. yeah. you know, the reality is like we are reaching, we're in a point in history where as, you know, before, let's say 1963 or whatever, uh, you had a limited number of pop figures exactly. to, to choose from. Yes, and, absolutely. And it, after that, with like the British invasion and everything that came off of that, you have now uh, this the massive of, generation of people who of are TV, the, mm-hmm, the yeah, exactly yeah accessibility of media culture yeah. expands exponentially. The, the number of uh, options and people bringing different things to the table who are important in their own way. 
So I mean, we're just going to see more and more of this as the bitch yeah. of it because, oh yeah, you know, Paul, Ringo, Mick, and Keith. Those are you know when those four are gone, you're living in a different era of, of yeah. the world of, of human history. You know, uh, you know who yes, else? It's is, like there, there's not a single musician that's getting younger. Right, right. <laughs> and those guys, yeah. uh, you know, the sixty sixties guys. I mean, they're they're up in their eighties now. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, the Davies brothers got to be the same way. Both of the Davies are still alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, you, you do have some of those, those giants like, uh, uh, Fogarty, which may, I mean, not, not, to yeah. he's, he's the guy that to me is not, not influential in that same way, but I, I do, I do put him on a little bit of a Mount, Mount Rushmore as far yeah, as American he's a legend. No doubt about period. it. Period. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just that pace is gonna pick up. Right. You know, like uh, um you got these three quarters of Led Zeppelin are still alive, but you know, for how much longer? Are they gonna be right. alive in ten years? Probably. Yeah. No. Uh you've got who's left in the who? We got Pete and Roger. Those are those are your big hitters from that oh, time yeah. period. And Puzzle died, I forgot about that. That's yeah, right. yeah, he died. <laughs> Let's make this all about me. He died one week before I was scheduled to see the who live in concert yeah and re- this was in college when i was at my peak who loving and uh i had tickets to go see them and it was like a week into the tour starting or whatever and he, yeah and then he he went and they you know they were put in a real difficult situation because they had all of these shows schedule you know like a ton yeah. of so you got to pay all of these people that who are working for them to do this thing so they just you know they got pino paladino famed right. session yeah. bassist to come in and he he picked right up where he should have and it be it, it went from a real like all right this is my who moment to like all right i'm at a who funeral you know <laughs> like it was <laughs> uh it was it was very somber for something that did have moments you know like to see them in a Massive yeah, Square was Garden. This? this was at MSG. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and to see them in a, a sold out Madison Square Garden a week after the Ox goes down doing Bob O'Reilly, like you did get chills. You know, like you still had mm-hmm. that experience of, uh, you know, being in a room with that many people with that, you know, type of song, that caliber of song. Like it's like, oh shit, man, it's the fucking who, you know, right. like this is, this is who magic right here. But yeah, it was, it was sad. Everybody seemed very sad. Everybody on stage was sad. The audience was sad. Um, but yeah, only two of them left. Yeah. Mm. yeah and, I, and then, uh, okay, yeah, was, Ozzy, you got, you know, you've got most of Black Sabbath, I think all of Black Sabbath is still around. They don't talk yeah, anymore, which, but... Uh, you know, talk about defying the... Defying the <laughs> exactly, right, right. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, like, the only other, like, pop culture figure... Aside from a Beatle, for me, I feel like Steven Spielberg, maybe. You know, oh, as okay. far as, mm-hmm. You know, somebody whose work I was just obsessed with and wanted to live inside. You know, uh, so many things that that man gave me that that opened up uh, my imagination and you know that caliber of uh, you know what artist. There was, I guess, there's one moment that comes to mind that that was. Uh, when Stephen King got hit by a car, 
Oh, yeah, I remember. He he writes about it in his book, right? His his writing book. Yeah, Yeah, he puts. Oh, okay. He probably does that too. He works it into the Gunslinger series. Oh, okay, okay. I was very. I mean, I at at that point, I don't know if I was maybe batting a thousand on reading everything that he had published, more or less. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the occasional essay or whatever that I. I mean, not, but anything you could get at the library. You know, right, right. Short story collections, novels. That did you did you go through all of the? Uh, did you collect all five Green Mile paperbacks or whatever? However no, many I were? didn't. I oh, forgot okay. about that. Yes, no, I didn't. Um, was that was that released as a a, a serial? Yeah, it was serialized. Or? I don't know if it was actually published publicly like that, but I think you know libraries got it that way. Is okay. That but I don't know if they were for sale in that split up like that. I'm not sure. But yeah, he was maybe, oh, halfway through the Gunslinger series, which was, mm-hmm. which was something that at, that at that point was big for me. That was real big. Yeah, this is and like the Dark, Dark Tower? The Dark or? Tower. Yeah, the Dark yeah, Tower okay, series. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember trying to repress that thought of, oh, my God. What if he doesn't finish this? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Everybody's fear. Like conscious brain says, you know, we I know that's not an okay thing to think of right now. But <laughs> but seriously, I hope he told someone where he's going with this. I hope he's got some drafts or something, because right. I need closure. Yeah. But yeah, and he actually writes himself into the story later on after that. The, the, Interesting. The part of it, yeah, part of it mm-hmm. is actually like he is a character, and and they interact with him during this accident and <clears throat> save save his save his life, you know, um, as as part of the the book that they keep him from being killed by it, you know. Really, that yeah, that's that, very cool. What happens? It's like yeah, this is. This isn't actually good, but I get it, and it, it works. But it's not, you know. This this is definitely. I'm not comfortable with this much uh, breaking the, the fourth wall or whatever it is. Oh, was it too? You mean just uh, like stylistically, it was too much, or do you mean like emotionally, yeah, it was too much? Yeah, maybe a bit of both, but okay. a little bit, a little bit like this. This this takes the story into. Uh, yeah, takes it right. out of the fantasy realm a little bit too much. <laughs> Steve, can I? Uh, can you just pass over the original outline before pre accident? I just like to <laughs> yeah. take a gander here, make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you but, were living the nightmare that current uh, George R R R R R R Martin fans are living right now. Of like, he's never going to finish it. That's so. Is that the deal? Is that not? Are there more books to come? I think he's due to publish at least two more, probably three. I mean, okay. but you know, it takes him like a decade to write a book because they're so yeah. massive. And, um, and at some point, and I, I don't, I, I don't know much about any of those. At some point, people at HBO took it their own direction, right? Yes. Yeah. They had okay. to, they, they, they'd gone beyond what had already been established and they're just like, well, um, it's been, <laughs> he said he was almost done it's like fam. five years ago. And, uh, well, we got to just wrap this up. <laughs> you know, right. People have yeah. to have lives to lead. Um, we can't expect Kit Harrington to 
keep that fabulous hair, you know, for <laughs> right. more years, you know, <laughs> we've got to, let's figure out some solutions here. Yeah. 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 That's uh as a, as an enjoyer of, or, you know, a fan of somebody's work, that's a scary place to, to be living in, I guess. And which I guess was not much the case with, with Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I think right. everybody kind yeah. of felt like, okay, we're towards the end here. You know, like yeah. if you get anything, it's, a, it's gravy, but really like we've got plenty of music. I mean, they have 130 songs or whatever, like right. there's plenty there. Yeah. Not, and not that there couldn't have been more stuff, but yeah, like you, that, yeah, you weren't, you weren't left. You don't, you don't feel like you're left hanging and yeah. Unfulfilled or whatever. Yeah. Well, so as we kind of wind down here, uh, we have definitely hashtag run the wreck. The requiem is over, by the way. Uh, okay. We did it. Great job. I think we're no, starting sorry. a real potential viral uh, viral thing. I think this, yeah. this is how people could mourn on the internet in the future. Um, but I think as we uh, kind of close down here, like, do you want to listen to a piece of music? From yes, please. Dude, uh, I was kind of racking my brain as to what what it should be right because you know the they're the songs are few and far between that would be you know suit the mood i guess like they were pretty upbeat as we've talked about kind of party good times band and they definitely had their you know towards as they matured got some serious stuff mick thrown into the mix as well which is all fine and good but you know, it's really hard to think of what's the right one. The easy option, Aaron, is a song called Crossing Over, which was a, a B-side from the Balance Sessions, which was Balance was the 95 record, right before Sammy left, okay. which was fired. Um, and that's a song that, that is literally about death and, uh, you know, crossing over. But that seems a little too on the nose. So, okay, yeah. Uh, yep. you, know, you know, like, I'm, somebody's going to do it. If Warner Brothers is smart, they'll re-release it maybe as a single. Oh you know? yeah, it's uh, it, you know, it was never on an album, and it had to you had to either get it on the single for "Can't Stop Loving You," which you know there were about a dozen of us who who went out and bought that, and then uh, either that or the <laughs> Japanese import thrown on at the end. Um, so it's it's a lesser known one. We'll check it out at some point, I'm sure. But I'm thinking, let's go to the year 1996. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've definitely not been there. Yeah. And, and we will be speaking more about this time period in the future, of course, but this is a special time period when uh, the United States of America, anyway, is talking about only one thing. And that thing is the Yandemont hit movie Twister. Oh, coming at you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Summer of 96, right? This Summer is an era. Is- Someone did make reference to the Twister song, and I wasn't sure what that was. Okay, so if I if I waited, we could <laughs> explore that together. Your patience will be rewarded. the uh, The primary single that came off the Twister soundtrack, courtesy of the band Van Halen, was called "Humans Being," and that is not the song we're going to be listening to today. Although we will be listening to it in the future, uh, so get yourself ready for that. It is a great song. It's heaviest book. It makes my top ten list though for the whole catalog. It's okay. great. But then there's another song deeper into the soundtrack that is credited to Edward and Alex Van Halen, just the brothers, oh. which I think is oh, the only time that ever happened. 
and it's uh it's an instrumental piece and it's called respect the wind okay and uh i think it ran over the end credits perhaps one of those types of things yeah, yeah. so you know i think this is appropriate it's a uh, it's a sort of a somber piece uh but it also has moments of uh, you come to expect from a van halen song of, of lift you know it might uh make the the hairs on your arm stand up a little bit uh, some of these changes uh, but it's also kind of uh kind of new agey in a way it's it's interesting you'll you'll hear it. it's probably not you know it's nobody's favorite van halen song or anything like that but uh if you want to just hear the dude play guitar without us without the singer drama at all just him playing guitar which, is, which i mean if we back up to the very beginning i think this, we need to yeah yeah this is this is the whole the whole reason for the season as far as this podcast goes exactly we don't talk about that shit, aaron rule number one rule number one and i think we've actually lived up to that we haven't really spoken lead singer no, very no, much we, at all we've no we've we've not gotten much in the tabloid we've kept and, it yeah good for us we're really yeah, we're really delivering <laughs> so this is uh what i like about this song even though okay so the keyboards might sound a little dated but all the keyboards sound dated but uh i like this song because he's not doing any tapping which is pretty rare in a van halen composition but he's doing a lot of interesting things with the tremolo bar and harmonics so he's kind of using uh, these techniques and tools in a way that I can't think of off the top of my head anybody else using them in such a way. So it's very melodic and uh, a bit orchestral, if you will. And what else should we know going into this? Uh, oh, we always talk about the three T's, Aaron, right? We talk about technique, we talk about timing, and we talk about tone. Tone. Right. Yeah. And Eddie is everybody should know by this point if you're listening to van splanen with aaron and justin uh eddie's the tone king right so what i like about this song is you get like the first bar is sort of a very clean tone of the man noodling on the guitar and then all of a sudden the actual tone the uh infamous brown sound appears and it uh it's huge it's just huge so let's get into it shall we Yes, like I, I feel like this is uh you know feel free to chat over this as you see fit we'll just play okay. the whole song it's almost six minutes long <laughs> yeah, hey it. we're you know hey we're mourning here so we are respecting the wind right now we're going to respect the fucking wind because eddie van halen is nothing if not before some nature i stepped on that line my bad that's, that's cool about <laughs> That's just the magic of Van Splainin'. Splainin'. Yeah. All right. Respect the wind. Let's go.
There's so many layers. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, soulful playing, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it feels like he's digging deep on this one, you know? It does. sound right there that oh, I love yeah. that
Okay, respect the wind, Aaron. What I think, think that was extraordinarily fitting. That that was great. It was perfect. Good. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of moody, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fades, uh fades out. Yeah. This is uh it's got that sustainer working. It's a wonderful example of uh you know, we talk about the uniqueness of uh, Eddie's playing or or anybody's playing and sort of how the guitar becomes uh stands in for the voice you know it's the voice of the player so i mean nobody howls like edward though right yeah yeah i mean there's yeah just that was very yeah i don't know that that, that surprised me a little bit yeah um, it's it's fairly unique in their catalog you know there's not a whole mm -hmm. lot out there that's that sounds like that now there is <laughs> you got the short version there is a nine minute version <laughs> which <laughs> which is fine it's uh it's a little looser as far as like the, the whatever they took out of it is fine it doesn't need to be right. there but it's, it's still <laughs> good but it's just you know <laughs> tightened it up a little bit you know but I, I like the uh the jammy quality to it because you know there's there's certainly distinct parts where he needs to be playing a certain thing at a certain time but then the rest of it he kind of just He's just wailing, you know. Yeah, that's uh, that's what's amazing. He gets to follow that muse and see where it takes him. Yeah, he's a freedom seeker, Aaron. He just he's uh, as close as you can get to to completely free with an instrument. He can go anywhere he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, you know, most of the time, it's more often than than anybody else can. It's it's impressive. It's still uh, you know everybody talks about. You know, like LeBron always talks about with MJ that he's calls him the ghost, right? I'm always chasing this ghost. And Eddie's, oh, right. yeah. Eddie's the ghost. He's the goat and he's the ghost. He's the one that, you know, guitar nerds, you're forever going to be chasing that, that legacy, that sound, you know? So. Well, and just to, just to be clear, the, Eddie's death in no way changes our, our mission to continue on this journey through absolutely not van halen this is just this is the end of our protagonist's journey but the legacy continues on and we will continue to do our part to preserve that legacy and to keep it properly contextualized and framed as it should be uh right here on van splainen van splainen um oh i get oh one more thing okay so before we sign off i did i wanted to ask your your take on this so i don't uh, know, I know I'll, let me stop you there i know uh -huh. the answer already you're on board yes i think we still extend that invite to wolfie oh okay Th yeah absolutely wolfgang was that, that, that was where you're going right it was not but i think it is a great oh, okay. point to bring up we do need to bring it up wolfie you know we uh much respect and love to you and the family of course yep. for your loss grieve as you must grieve we are still excited to hear the, the solo album from you and uh you know, if you if you need anybody to help you go through those tapes, that wall of tapes at fifty one fifty studios, uh, you know, call us up. We'll we'll be there for you. We love it, man. We love well, we that, love the legacy. That, do you wonder if that's the logical next step if someone's gonna go in and is Ted Templeman still around? Ted's still around and I don't know if he'd be the one to put in charge of yeah, who's are people gonna go in and start, you know, it's, getting uh yeah it's, it's already be been discussed re releases with extra tracks or is or would it be uh 
a new a new album. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what you would, what the play is there. So this is uh, oh, this is what I was going to tell you before we started recording that I decided to save. I'm glad we saved it. Uh, so there's video of Ed giving MTV a, a tour of the studio, right? Yeah. And we've forever heard stories about the vault. The infamous, there's this room and it's just filled to the ceiling with tapes of music that he's recorded in 5150 studios over the past, you know, 35 years or whatever. And uh, it's just always been this sort of like uh, mythical place that nobody, you know, you had to be very, the rare person gets to set foot inside that studio. So not everybody, there's not really been evidence of this thing existing. And then to see this uh, tour and it's like a, I don't know, like 10 minutes long or whatever from 1997. And he shows them the, the vault and it is just this huge room that looks to be about, I don't know, 12, 14 feet tall, made entirely of cinder blocks. And it's just this huge wall of, of like uh, two inch tape, one inch tape, quarter inch tape, just all these recordings. It's massive, mm -hmm. you know, like to be able to see it like that. And then I found another video uh, from 2012 i think cnn was interviewing ed and wolfie together for like a father's day special and they go they take cnn into the vault as well and this is you know almost 20 years later and it's now twice as big somehow like there's a second wall that's filled to the with tapes so right the shit's there um as ed describes in the one video they had it a system don landy the engineer had a system of logging what's on every tape into this old computer that then broke as computers are wont to do. So they lost all of the cataloging information. So now it's just tapes up there. And some of the tapes are so old, they have to actually bake them to get the adhesive like reapplied to the, the tape itself, you know, or to get the, you know, the whatever makes up a, a, you know, the emulsion that makes up a tape, like to bake it back onto the physical tape itself so they can play it again. So, I don't know what where they are in that process of you know, guys get get two computers and digitize it onto both of them. You know, like have, right. a, have, yes. have a backup, yes. right? Like <laughs> try the cloud. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard of the cloud? As Microsoft Azure for your Van Halen catalog needs. Yeah, so they've already announced that it's going to be Al and Wolfie will at some point when they're ready they will go through and release who knows what's in there like he he was recording for a really long time i mean there was again like a solid 10 years where he didn't hear any music but he was still recording music the whole time so um they always used to say back in the day like yeah we've got enough for like 10 albums or you know so who knows but probably you'll get a box set probably you'll get alternate takes i would guess uh ted templeman is pretty familiar and has access to the stuff that they cut together pre 5150. And he says, there's not a lot on the cutting room floor from that era, just because they were okay. you know, going for two, two weeks and busted out basically. Um, but there are certain uh, collectors have been waiting to hear certain, you know, a couple of missing Sammy songs that have been, uh, are known to exist and are supposed to be of pretty good quality, but never made it out because it was close to the breakup. Uh, I think there is a recording. They did a cover of In the Midnight Hour for oh, 1980. 
1984, which they didn't put out. So that exists somewhere, but who knows? Who knows? But they'll, uh, they'll get to it at some point, I'm sure. So do that and then remaster those Sammy records. If, if you're going to be in there, you might as well, you know? Right. Yeah. But, uh, so, so the, the last thing I want, I did want to check with you. Um, so Wolf, we're, we're available by the way, you know, we're here, you know, our best regards to, to you, of course, but, uh, I'm sure you, well, you, you might not be aware, but there are three Van Halen podcasts. As far as I know, uh, we are the third. And then we've talked about before the Dave and Dave unchained podcast. They're sort of like, the CNN of Van Halen news. Like they talk about everything, oh. you know, like, okay. right. Right. <laughs> so, and they, they put out big shows on the regular and, you know, more power to them. They, they do a good job collating all the silly rumors and talking about Dave's solo records or whatever. But there's a, a another show that I had never listened to until just a few months ago. And then I ran the entire series and it's called ain't talking about Van Halen. Okay. And uh, basically we've been doing the same shows by and large we've been they're very similar in that we do a lot of talk that's definitely not van halen related you know like we talk more about the nba i think than they do but but it's these two guys from the uk and uh they're fans like we're fans and they talk like we talk and i'm wondering if maybe we should reach out to them during this time and see if, if they want to be pod friends you know the the sauropod doesn't really uh, cross over with any outside podcasting sources really so this would be a big move for us but should we you know maybe drop them a five-star review and and uh, yeah see if they'll be buddies with us i think that's a great idea okay i think we should try it they're, they're funny guys yeah. uh steven allen york and ross drummond are their names and uh, i think if you like this show you'll love that show you know they do talk about van halen don't, don't believe uh, the truth there with with name and they they talk van halen and they they get into it they they're they're good lads so all right we'll reach That's out to a them. great idea would they I, I i mean my uh i think my imposter syndrome feeling would would certainly increase exponentially but i think you know. they i think they probably feel the same way <laughs> okay okay i'll I check think, that out and, you know uh it's interesting, you know, I'll be curious to see if maybe, maybe new Van Halen podcast will pop up in the wake of uh, the loss, you know, like, right. It's, you know, they're a great band for that because they're a tabula rasa, you know, it's a, they're a, what do you call it? Like a cipher. There's yeah. nothing there that, you know, you can apply whatever you want to them because yeah. they're so mysterious, the, you know, um, so I'll be curious to see the, the trends in that in that direction but yeah okay so we'll we'll drop them a line and see if you know we can't yeah, uh, high five on the internet right you know? see if people want to want to connect with the uh, most popular van halen podcast in iceland exactly exactly and in lansing michigan i might add <laughs> as far as i know yes um, the best of my knowledge <laughs> the nation's michigan's capital you're there buddy <laughs> um yeah that's what you know rule number one we don't talk about the lead singer rule number two we build bridges here on the band's bridges here yeah yeah all right buddy i think uh let's wrap it up for now and uh you know i'm sure we'll be talking about this uh more to come you know we've been scheduled to to record again anyway so sad circumstances well, but i'm glad we did it you do know you, do you have a sense of what's next yeah, we're going to remember uh, last we left off. We're going to talk about those blues. We're going to talk about that's right. Okay, thank you. 
Yeah. So I think we should uh, actually get to work on that pretty soon here. I will uh, get myself in order, get my clips in order and uh, we'll rock out proper. You know, we'll get back to the, we'll get back to the pocket, get back to that groove, that heaviness. Ah, sounds good to me. But all right, Aaron, I guess uh, any final comments? No, just it's interesting to see the, the cultural response and the, you know, people, people with all their, like you say, their stories, their experiences, their, I was, you know, I, I remember this moment when, yes, you know, put that down and gives, gives a little more perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Major influence, major influence on a lot of people. It's a sad loss. The music is there though. We're going to celebrate the music and the yeah. legacy, you know, but yeah, rest in power, Ed. Rest in power. Yeah. Um, and Jamie, don't cry, because we'll be back with another episode of Vansplaining. Vansplaining. And Aaron, never forget, you're the greatest. And you know why? Um, no, why? Because Detroit, you're number one. <laughs> and because A.A. Ron, you're number one, too. <laughs> yeah.